where we come face to face with God's work in the world for our good. Join host Jason McKnight as we explore practical issues of community, theology, and leadership in everyday life. Hey, welcome to Encounter Grace. We're so glad you're here. I'm Jason McKnight. I'm in the studio with everyone's favorite, Ben Hendricks. Back in the flesh. Ben, how was Thanksgiving? Oh, I was so good. You know, I missed the last kind of group of podcasts that we did because, as a bunch of people know, we had our first child, a little Harper Grace, and we had just had our first Thanksgiving, and that was incredible. What if you had been working at a church called Trinity? Would you have named her Harper Trinity? Oh, man, no. Uh, I try to stay away from any church plants named Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We only have two. So, okay, good. Hey, I mean, this is great. Thanksgiving, I, I had my favorite, which is a cranberry salad that just is so good and to die for. But people who aren't in the family don't like it. So it's really? one of those. It really is one of those. But it's, I love it. It's got pineapples, marshmallows, whipped cream, and it wow. goes on your plate at the dinner time, not even dessert. I love how opinionated people are about all things Thanksgiving food. Yeah. Yeah. And how everything in the South is a salad, apparently. Jello <laughs> salad, all kinds of salads. My first year in Susan's family, I thought it was dessert and they had messed up. Oh, <laughs> but I was so glad to know that then dessert was still coming. <laughs> yeah, the good stuff. The apple pie. Okay, well, Thanksgiving is in the rearview mirror. Christmas is coming up. Mm. Uh, you know, we were joking right before. According to my chocolate advent calendar, there's only three days left of <laughs> <at> Christmas. <laughs> so I don't know. You know, when I was growing up, Ben, we, uh, we didn't do a lot of advent. We did the chocolate advent calendar. Yeah. And that was it. And everything else was just about Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. And our church and our family, although we love the Lord, both church and family, we didn't do a thing about Advent. Mm. So what we thought we'd do is take a little time together, you and me, over the next four weeks of Advent <laughs> to talk a little bit about why Advent. What is it? And yep. uh, I like the way you had the, the title for the series, Make Advent Great Again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you like to be a little punchy every now and then. Uh, <laughs> We stopped, we kind of drew the line at the hats, right? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're not doing any hats. <laughs> oh, man. But you know, as I was thinking about it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it over to you to, to flesh it out, but I was thinking, you know, when I grew up, December was all about how many days left of school? <laughs> how many days left till the big presents? How many parties were coming? You know, family parties and this and that and all that fun stuff. And all those things are great. But what separates us from the animals, no, what separates us from people without the Lord, because they do presents and they do countdown sure. to the end of school and they do parties with families and friends and all that kind of stuff. What separates us might be this thing called Advent. Yeah. As Christians, if we could kind of lean into it. And, and I thought it's not something we add on. It's more like an operating system, something mm. that's in the background that we use to do all the other things but do them with some meaning. So yeah. let's talk about this a little bit. Well, I mean, I completely agree. Like, I think... Like things like Advent, when we start talking about liturgy, we can get very scared and a little nervous about what that could mean. Like, yeah. oh, I have to do this. Yeah. I have to take all these steps. I have to, you know, kneel here, bow here, jump up here, do all these certain things and add <clears throat> add on to our lives and just kind of complicate an already busy season. But Advent doesn't have to be that. And I, and I agree because Advent in many ways is a posture in which we start, you know, and what we'll get to is like guardrails for our lives, for the mm. walk that we have. Yeah. Of just like keeping us within the bounds of 
uh, of just like, yeah, our, our walk with the Lord. So ultimately what Advent is, is so it, it's a season of the liturgical calendar that expands across the final four weeks of the year. You're a Baptist and you just said liturgical. I did. Um, Unbelievable. I know. It, isn't it wild? Because so, I grew up the same way. Like I, it was all presents. That's all mm-hmm. I really cared about. Mm-hmm. I love the season, the magic of the holiday. Santa here, Grinch here, all that stuff, right? <laughs> but it was presents and, and fun. But, I, you know, even a little bit in seminary, but also my time here, I've just, I've grown in my, in a, in a kind of a love for, for liturgy and for the little things that we can do that cultivate our heart for the Lord. Mm. And the church has long celebrated Advent, long celebrated the coming of the Lord the first time, but also awaiting the second time. And so it's again, a posture. So Mm. that is this month in which the church is in this Advent season. So this is and it, it's usually between November 27th and December 3rd is the first one that ends on December 24th, right before Christmas Day, right? And so th- this is an ultimately a celebration of the arrival of Christ. And so this is exactly where the name gets it. So the name Advent literally means arrival. Hmm. So for the arrival of Christ, a tradition for God's people to lo- to remember the arrival of Jesus in Bethlehem. I think it's a time of uh, reflection. Mm-hmm. but also a season of hope and a time of remembrance. Mm. So reflection, hope, and remembrance. But it's also a stretch where the church focuses on looking backwards to the faithfulness of God, to the things that he's done, the goodness that we, we just see of him, but also in gratitude and thanksgiving. And so, but it's not also, that's looking backwards. It's also looking forwards with anticipation and expectation of all that God will do. It's a, also, it's a season of waiting, but also a season of awaiting, hmm. of reflection, but also inspection, of remembrance, but also reassurance. And so the, actually, this is really where we get those f- really famous four symbols, those four themes of Advent. Yeah. So and at, here at Grace, we have candles, and for the four weeks that we read a, a, a little passage and, and help our body remember what these are. And so uh, here at Grace, and they, they can change in yep. a couple places. That was, I actually didn't know that for a while. Uh, it's hope, peace, joy, and love. And so four symbols that remind us of the truth that the light of God came to the world in the birth of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So there are four virtues that t- remind us of who Jesus was, who he remains to be, and then callings for our own lives mm-hmm. to just live out and to obtain. No, that's good. So what all, yeah, go ahead. Well, well, that's it. So, so that's a bit of the framework, hope peace, joy, and love, if you were going to look as a church on a Sunday, yeah. and, and we focus on a different one, as individuals in our lives, hope, peace, joy, and love, looking backward, looking forward, reflection, remembering, anticipation, hope, all those kinds of things. I mean, this is really good. Um, take us into it a little deeper, and I, I think you've got three directions yeah. for us to think through. So, because I'm driving down the road on my way to work listening to this podcast, and I'm like, oh, that's really good, but that's Sunday morning, hope, peace, joy, love. What yeah. does it mean Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Give us those yeah. three directions because these are really good. Well, Advent, I think, is fundamentally about three things. And the first one is remembrance and the fulfillment of hope. So it's looking backwards to the promises of God that have long been the seat of hope in God's people. Mm. It is where they found encouragement when things were difficult. It's where they found hope when the moment seemed most bleak, and the people of God have had many of those. Mm-hmm. And in these moments, they looked to the very promises of God and how he fulfilled them and believed them, or, and we believed them. 
and that he did them and that he certainly will do them again. Mm -hmm. Because the truth is God never breaks his word. We cannot forget that. And what God says always comes to pass. Let me give you some examples. In Genesis, Genesis 3, God promised a Messiah. In Genesis 12, God promised to bless the world through Abraham. In Micah 5, he promised the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. In Isaiah 7, that he would be born of a virgin. Wow, you're going fast here. And, That's, wow. Yeah. In 2 Samuel 7, that he would have a throne that will last forever. Mm-hmm. In Isaiah 53, that he would be pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. In Psalm 16, that he would be resurrected from the grave. And in all four Gospels, that God always keeps his promises. Amen. In the season of Advent, we simply remember mm-hmm. the many promises that God would one day bring a Savior and the, fulfillment of promise, and the fulfillment of those promises in Christ's first coming. That long ago, God promised for the coming of the Messiah, and he long fulfilled that promise in the manger. That's what we remember. That's what we celebrate. Who Jesus is, who he was, and who he will always be. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Messiah. And we have to be remembering that today. Mm-hmm. The simple truth that God was faithful then, and he certainly will be again. That's what we have to remember. I thought you were going to go with remember the past, remember. I thought you were going to go to the manger, but you actually went all the way back to the beginning. You, all, you went all the way back to Genesis. Yeah, because God's promises are from the beginning to the end. Yeah. And, and they find we see the fulfillment, fulfillment all yeah. throughout as well. Yeah. And that's what's so like, such an incredible part of God's God's story. I mean, in our story, the people of God, I mean, from Israel mm-hmm. all, into, all the way into the church, like God keeps making promises to his people, and he seems to have this bad habit of always fulfilling them. <laughs> God always keeps his word. We can't forget that. And I think Advent is a season in which we get to remember what he's done and look back to that. That's Anyways, great. we're yeah. running out of time real fast. If I no, no, but the around. great thing is this Sunday we're preaching on the promises of God, Romans 4. Ooh. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to splice this podcast right in there in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the first, the first uh, fundamental thing about Advent is the remembrance and fulfillment of hope. The second is anticipation and expectation. So the first one's looking huh. backwards. Yeah. The second one's looking forward. So the people of God, again, haven't always simply looked backwards to find encouragement. They've often looked forward in hope. See, backwards often gives you encouragement. God fulfilled these promises. But looking forward is also very hope-filling. God's people have long awaited the Messiah. In Egypt, the people of God awaited rescue. In the wilderness, they looked ahead for hope. In the lands of Canaan, they begged for a king. In Babylon, they prayed for rescue. Long have God's people waited with anticipation, but also expectation for the arrival of the Messiah. Similarly, we do too. We wait with hope, longing for the days of of the return of Christ, where the great multitudes of heaven, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, cry out, Hallelujah for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. See, We wait with hope and joy, awaiting the day when the trumpets play, the angels sing, and the king of heaven arrives, this time not as a baby, Mm -hmm. but as a king. Faithful and true will be his name. On his robe, on his honest thighs will be written his name, king of kings and lord of lords. And we wait, as a people of God, we wait tirelessly for that day when evil is defeated and death is no more. The day where suffering and struggle and heartache has passed and the time of rejoicing has begun where no tears are to be found, no sin to speak of, no crises to call upon us, an eternity with the king and his people. You see, Advent puts us right there between looking backwards 
and remembering, but also looking forward anticipation of looking backwards and, and finding the, the confidence to go to, to understand that God was faithful and he will be again. And the second, excited to see what God's going to do because we wait because God is at work. Mm-hmm. But here's the third and often the hardest one. It's living in the middle. Huh. Advent helps us live in the middle. Because Advent is a truly, if we're honest and we understand what it is, a very peculiar situation for the God's people to rest in. Because mm-hmm. we are two tensions we must hold, right? The two that we just mentioned. Two perspectives with two different goals in mind. To look backwards in remembrance, but also to look forward in anticipation, right? Mm-hmm. And so what makes this so, uh, I guess, I think peculiar and very difficult is that neither one are here and now. One's looking backwards to the past and one's looking forward to the future. And so Advent calls us to look back to the history of God's people, to the cross, to his church, and to remember his faithfulness, his goodness, and his steadfastness. And yet, Advent also gives us hope, right? In our looking forward, the reminder that though things may not be great right now, though things might be difficult in this season, that though there is still sin, death, brokenness, suffering, and more in our world today, it won't always be this way. What a hope to, yeah. to be able to put our lives in. That we are caught in the middle between remembrance and anticipation, between memory and wonder, between history and hope. And mm. long, 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 long have God's people been right there. Between looking backwards for confidence and looking forward in hope finding reassurance in the steadfastness of God and hope in his goodness and might. Yet still, and this hopefully rings true for all of us, still struggling amongst the day-to-day, the crisis, the difficulty, the inconvenience, or maybe even just the sin. So between where you are and where you are going or where you are and where you may even want to be, looking backwards but yet desiring to move forward. See, I think this is what it means to live in Advent. Because for most of us, I think we need a little bit of a shift in our mind of what Advent is. Because a lot of us do think Advent is simply this time of celebration, but also this season of gift giving and presents and all that stuff, right? And for many of us, that's what it is. And that's, that's a good thing. And I'm not saying we need to get rid of that. But functionally, Advent really is a wilderness or desert mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. A time of waiting and reflecting. Mm-hmm. It's the eating manna and quail in the desert and waiting eagerly for God to answer and to move mightily. Advent serves as a reminder that things simply aren't how they should be, and one day they won't be that way. I mean, that's really profound, living in the middle here between looking back, looking forward, and linking it to the Exodus generation, who were absolutely delivered from Egypt, but not yet in the Promised Land. And God provided for them every day, and God was with them every day in the tabernacle. Yeah. Provided for them every day in the manna. But they were still in the wilderness. They were already redeemed, but they weren't mm. fulfilled. I mean, that's where we live. It is, and it's such a hard place in some ways. And now, fortunately, we have the benefit of knowing who that coming Messiah is. Yeah. And we await one that, we wait the Messiah, and we know his name, and we know how he'll come, and we just don't know when. But that doesn't make the waiting any easier. Right. But we just happen to know. But we can cling to the hope. Yeah. Yep. And so it's here in the middle that I, I always, when I think about this, I have to remind myself, and so maybe this will be an encouragement to many who are waiting, is that remembrance and anticipation, so backwards and forwards, forward, are, are both really good things. 
mm-hmm. that hold us fast to our walk of faith. Like we need them. These aren't just things that we need for the month, this month and we get to toss away. Like they're, they're like two guardrails, I think, for our Christian walk. Anticipation and remembrance keep us walking straight. Mm. Reminder that God was, is, and will always be faithful. And the hope that there is life, change, and hope coming frames our lives. Like we need both of these. The hope and love we celebrate in weeks one and two look forward to the anticipation of the second coming. Of hope and love in weeks one and two look forward, I mean, look forward to the week of the second coming. And those are the things that we hold on to. But the joy and peace of weeks three and four to celebrate that our Savior already came and we're awaiting him again, Mm. that God has kept his word. Two very important guardrails for our lives, like four themes and virtues we desperately need to hold us fast and to help us just keep moving forward. And so on one side of the road through the wilderness is promise Mm. that we have to look to and go, man, God's promised these. And on the second, I think, is fulfillment. We're looking between promise and fulfillment. We're always going to land in a good heart posture, I think. And so the promise that no matter our circumstance, trial, or difficulty, God loves his people. He is faithful and steadfast, and he will never leave or forsake us. Mm. And so on the other is fulfillment of his promises. Again, we wait, and it's hard to wait. And we're not good at waiting, but we wait knowing that God is at work. Mm. That's a good place to put our hope. That is a great place to put our hope. So uh, aside from looking back, looking forward, living in the middle, yeah. aside from that, um, what other benefits come from practicing the, the idea of, of keeping Advent in mind as an operating system in the background of, of, yeah. of thinking on a spiritual plane while we're doing the busyness of life in, uh, in December? Yeah. I, well, I'd love to also hear this and ask you the same question, but let me go first since you asked me first. Uh, I think the one that's the biggest for me is it reminds me that I and we are not the center of God's plan. Mm. So it reminds me that I'm not the center of God's plan. And I think that's such a help, but it's also unbelievably freeing for me because I think we live in a society where it's very easy or uh, it's just easy to think at sometimes the the world revolves around you, even though everything proves that it doesn't in some many ways. Mm-hmm. So many ways. But Advent, when you're when when you're stuck in this middle spot between always looking backwards but also looking forward, looking backwards to the coming of the Messiah who's already come, and then looking forward to the to Jesus' return, those are the two avenues in which you're looking. Neither one are about you. Yeah, they're both about Jesus. And it makes it unbelievably hard to make everything about you when both of your perspectives are ultimately about him. And I think we need more of that, where it's not not about me. At least I do. What what do you see? Like, what what other benefits? One of the things I love about um, leaning into a practice like Advent or perhaps Lent, leading into Easter, but, but here we are in Advent, is that it's a connection point with other believers around the world and throughout history. It's a connection point to already what's going on in the world uh, in the history of the gospel, like from the beginning of time or certainly yeah. from, uh, from Jesus or from, say, the Reformation. Okay. Let's just say. Yeah. I mean, the church year is not something that low church folks like us practice yeah. a lot of. That's true. But really, this is the first, year, first week of the church year. Hmm. I mean, the Feast of Christ the King is the end of November. And so the beginning of Advent is the beginning of the new year as we 
recapitulate again all the story that God does. Mm -hmm. And so every year we're doing it. So I love the idea that we can join with other Christians from around the world, different traditions, but also uh, through history and say, yes, we are awaiting Jesus to come. Mm. We're awaiting his coming. And then we're reenacting the life of Jesus and the life of the gospel. So from Advent to Christmas, Christmas to Easter, Easter to Pentecost, Pentecost to Feast of Christ the King. Wow. And I love this. Absolutely, because it seems to be this like one thing that we all commonly can share in like Christ-centeredness, yeah. because that's what Advent ultimately is. Yeah. I also think it teaches us patience because we spend a lot of time here in that middle area mm -hmm. and in the wilderness and desert season where we don't always get what we want, especially in a frantic season. Like it's very interesting that Christmas is a frantic season for a lot of us. It's all the parties we have to go to, all the church services yep. we may have to go to, all the presents we have to buy, all the things we have to wrap, all the food we have to cook, all that, all those things. It's a frantic season. And so Advent calls us in so many ways to slow down mm. and to take an account of our lives and to look at it and to be honest before the Lord. And here's, here's where we are. And here's, mm. like, here's the good and here's the bad. Yeah. And so it teases patience to go, you know, I don't have everything I want or I'm not exactly where I want to be. And that it's okay in so many ways to be discontent with certain things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe one last one yeah. is um, just the the call to remembering Christ's return. Like mm -hmm. the Advent isn't only about the manger, it's about the return of Christ. And yeah. I just find in my life, I need that again and again. It's just so easy yeah. to lose Amen. sight of that. <laughs> so the, uh, the, the way that it kind of reminds me, uh, the idea of, oh, this is Advent. Oh yeah, oh yeah, not just Christmas, but his return. He's coming. Yeah. Uh, I need that again and again and again and again and again. Okay, give us a couple of things as we kind of land here. Give us a couple of things to do this Advent season if we're not used to practicing this. Yeah, I think so two things. And the first one is to, and they're very grounded on the remember and anticipate. So the first is to remember with gratitude. So remember, again, and the key here is with gratitude. Mm -hmm. And so it's remembering with, with gratitude what God has done, how he's provided, how he's guided, where he's gone ahead and where he's shown up powerfully. And so I think there are two places you could focus on that. Like, so if you want to take this and you want to help remember with help on remembering with gratitude, there are two places to look. The first is presence. Mm. God has consistently resided with his people. So that's the Red Sea. That's also the cross. That's the Holy Spirit who lives in every believer. And then all of the personal stories and anecdotes that we all have in which we've just had moments where like, you know, God showed up mm. in an amazing way. Mm. God's presence is powerful. We need to focus and remind ourselves of how he's resided with us. The second is promises, thousands of promises in scripture to never leave you, to never mm. forsake you, to dwell with his people. And then again, the culmination of all of his promises, Emmanuel, God with us. And they're all yes in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so maybe we just need to focus on the promises more and we'll get there in just a second. And so here's an, a really quick way to apply that. And here's how I uh, kind of create a, an attitude of gratitude, as the phrase goes, uh, especially in this season, but I try to do it every year. Uh, as a lot of people, every time I've told everybody this, they've laughed because I always start off with, I'm not always the most optimistic person. They go, really? <laughs> you, huh? And uh, I'm just always stuck in this, I don't know, this attitude of, you know, there's always something nice or something new or something else that needs to get done or something somewhere else to be, right? And so I often struggle to enjoy what's right there in front of me. And so I have this uh, habit now, this practice. It's something I call mandatory gratitude, hmm. mandatory gratitude. And so a few minutes each day I set aside to help me cultivate gratitude. 
And so here's exactly how to do it. I schedule a time uh, to do a task that I do every day. So something within my routine, so cleaning something, driving to work, taking out the trash, something that allows me to be able to multitask. Uh, like I'm not doing rocket surgery here, right? Uh, <laughs> and I use that time for prayer uh, and a time, and just to think of things that I'm thankful for. Mm. And ultimately, that usually just looks like a list. Mm-hmm. And so at first, here's if, if you guys decide to do that, here's exactly most likely how it's going to happen. It's going to be going to seem very boring and very lame. You're going to struggle to make your list uh, the very first time. And it's probably going to seem very cold and very just factual. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my house. I'm thankful for my job, my car, and then on, right? But if any of you guys are like me, what it ends up being by the second, by the third, or by the 30th day, whatever, you'll almost certainly find that it starts to warm up. That it stops being, I'm just thankful for my spouse, but I'm thankful for my, for my spouse mm. who loves me, but also makes me a better person mm. who does this or this or this. And I'm thankful for my job that helps me support my family. Like we start qualifying them and you start growing them and it starts changing the, really the way that you see them. That's see, I think we all know uh, we have things to be thankful for. I think we're just out of practice. That's really good. And so the second one, so the first uh, was to remember with gratitude. The second is to wait with hope. So remember hmm. and to wait. The part of the Christian life is living in a world you know is broken. We talked about this already, that it's waiting for the day where it's all made right, where hope can be restored in, the, in confidence that it, will, that it will be. But waiting, if we're honest, is unbelievably difficult depending on the season that we're in, right? Yeah. Like if we're in an easy season, you can wait there all day. But if it's a difficult one, maybe it feels hopeless. Maybe it's hard. Maybe family is is a struggle right now. I mean, I was waiting for a COVID test a few weeks ago. <laughs> that was waiting with anxiety because yeah. the whole trip is off if it comes back Amen. positive. And so I think we always need the, the help to remember that waiting seasons are not worthless seasons. It is in, this, in these seasons, these seasons of waiting, that God often does his greatest works in us. Mm-hmm. Quiet works in our hearts that build muscles of discipline and patience. Waiting grows our hope and also deepens our faith. It prompts obedience as we look forward in hope, and it prepares us for the next season that God's going to lead us into. Waiting is hard, but it's always worthwhile. Hmm. So here's the question. How do we then wait well? Hmm. I found that one of the hardest parts of waiting is remembering these two things. So the first is what you're, what exactly you're waiting for. It's easy to forget because everything else just pops up. But the second is that you are waiting with confidence and hope. Mm. Like we as believers are not just simply idly waiting by hoping something happens, but we're waiting with confidence and hope. Here's exactly how I cultivate this. It's much like the first. I found that one of the more helpful disciplines for me to read are the promises of God over and over again in my life. And so I read at least one a day. I try to read more, but at least I get one. And so the Bible is literally filled with thousands of them where time and time again, God makes promises over and over again. He keeps them. For a heart like mine that is very quick to wander, there is nothing more powerful than reading and reciting the promises God has made and how they've been fulfilled. Here's why. For me, I need every reminder I can that God is who he says he is. He does what he says he will, and that ultimately I can trust him. Despite having every reason to believe him, I constantly need the reminder that God is always faithful. Let me give you my, the one that I did this morning. Yeah. 
So if, if you guys want to start practicing this and looking into this, here's exactly what I do. I look at a promise, Joshua 31.8. It makes a promise to Joshua. It says, he will, he will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Do you know what the answer is? The entire book of Joshua. Right. In which God continues to show up with Joshua. No matter how tall the wall is, no matter how big the army is, no matter how much of Canaan he has to conquest or conquer, <laughs> con- God keeps showing up. That first chapter of Joshua is so good. So good. So good. All right. So waiting with hope. I love that. The promise, the practice of uh, reading a promise or, or remembering a promise every day. Uh, remembering with gratitude where you're taking out the trash, giving thanks for me. Uh, yep. That's what I took hey, from that all one. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> so Advent, Ben, this is really just helpful and good for those of us who don't come from churches, maybe that that we're practiced at this. But here's a primer where, yeah, Advent is a season to look backward to the manger, to look forward to Christ's return, have gratitude as we remember, have hope as we wait. And then the third part is that we're living right here in the middle and we can live to God's glory because we've got our, we're looking backwards and forwards in the right measure. Uh, I remember, I think it was John of Risebrook who was a Belgian Christian in the 1400s and he said, uh, there are three comings of Christ. There's his first coming, his second coming, and there's his, his coming every day in our lives. Amen. And I just think that's what, you, what you've stumbled upon here without yeah. knowing about John of Risebrook. But I agree with you 100%. I love it. We're looking backwards at the manger and forward at the return. And that's Advent. Amen. Thanks for leading us. Absolutely. And thanks for joining us. And we'll see you next week for the next series of with Advent here. This is a ministry of Grace Fellowship Church in Kinston, North Carolina. Visit gracekinston.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.